Someone has said, if you preach to your own heart, you're likely to hit a few others. Well, not sure how the message in Sunday school this morning will impact you and your life, but I can assure you that uh, as I teach this Sunday school lesson this morning, I'm preaching to my own heart. And even as I've prepared to, uh, to teach today, my uh, heart, my life has been impacted uh, by uh, the message that you are about to hear. For eight days, Rosie Ruiz was the winner of the 1980 Boston Marathon until, until the evidence proved that she was not. April 21st, 1980, <clears throat> this 26-year-old appeared to be the first woman to cross the finish line with a time of two hours, 31 minutes, and 56 seconds, first among the marathon's 448 female runners. Well, to observers at the finish line, Rosie must have seemed like the fittest athlete ever to run a marathon. I mean, she was barely perspiring on a sunny day with temperatures in the mid-70s. Her hair was still perfectly styled, and her face wasn't even flushed after running the grueling 26-mile race. When asked by a reporter why she didn't seem fatigued, she replied, um, I got up with a lot of energy this morning. Well, while Rosie was basking in the limelight at the finish line, being interviewed by the national media and receiving her medal as the winner, Jacqueline Garreau of Canada crossed the finish line in second place with very little fanfare. Legendary women's marathon runner Catherine Schweitzer the first woman ever to compete in the Boston Marathon, was covering the event that day as a television commentator, and she was instantly suspicious when she interviewed Rosie Ruiz. She asked Rosie what her intervals had been. Intervals, terminology that every marathon runner understands. Rosie replied, what's an interval? Well, with that, Boston Marathon officials began to study race photographs, and Rosie Ruiz didn't appear in any of them. And then, a few days later, two students at nearby Harvard University came forward and reported that they had noticed Rosie entering the race from a crowd of spectators on Commonwealth Avenue, which was just one half mile from the finish line. Eight days after the finish of the race, Rosie Ruiz was disqualified, and Jacqueline Garreau from Quebec was declared the winner. Rosie Ruiz wasn't a marathon runner. Rosie Ruiz was a phony, a fake. In the Gospel of Matthew, you will find the greatest sermon ever preached, ever, bar none. It's the Sermon on the Mount, and the preacher of this sermon you probably know was none other than Jesus Christ. And it is in this sermon in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus exposes phonies, religious phonies, 
fakes, religious fakes, people that pretend to be something that they're not. There's a word for it in the scripture, and it's a word that nobody wants to be called. Nobody. You don't, and neither do I. It is a disgusting, distasteful, nine-letter word, hypocrite. But I think it's interesting that the word hypocrite hasn't always had the ugly connotation that it has today in 2023. As a matter of fact, in ancient Greek times, it really wasn't a bad word at all. In that day, the word hypocrite was commonly used to refer to actors, like actors on a stage, actors who wore masks. As a matter of fact, the word hypocrite actually meant someone who wears a mask. So if it was a comedy and the actor had comical lines, the actor would wear a funny mask or a mask with a grin from ear to ear. If, on the other hand, the actor's lines were sad, the actor's mask would be a mask with a frown or with a pout. Now, in a play, acting is exactly what you and I expect. I mean, that's what actors do. They act. There's nothing wrong with that. The trouble with the hypocrite is that he's a fake. He's a phony. And there is something wrong with that. Let me say it like this, and I think you'll understand. A hypocrite is a person who puts on a performance, an Academy Award-winning, Oscar-winning performance. Now, a performance is something that Hollywood absolutely celebrates. I mean, that's what Hollywood does. They perform. But a performance is something that heaven absolutely condemns. I read about a zoo that was considered to be one of the very finest zoos in the country, Pastor Schelling, because of its animals, outstanding collection of animals. This zoo had pretty much every animal that you could think of. Well, one day, the zoo's gorilla died, and unfortunately, was the only gorilla at the zoo. So, to maintain their reputation, and until the zoo could bring in another gorilla, the zookeeper hired a man to temporarily fill in for the dead gorilla by wearing a gorilla suit. Well, it was his first day on the job, and he had absolutely no experience whatsoever at acting like a gorilla, none. Attempting to do his very best to act like a gorilla would act, he got a little too close to the edge of the gorilla enclosure and he fell into the lion exhibit. He immediately began to cry out thinking that he would be attacked, killed, and ultimately devoured by a lion until until the lion spoke up and said, would you be quiet? You're going to get us both fired. Faking it, pretending, acting, performing. We act like something that we're not. We act like we have it all together. We act like we have it all figured out, but we know good and well 
We don't. It was Dr. F.B. Meyer who put it like this. He said, we pretend. We pretend to be living a more devoted life than is actually the case. Well, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus unmasks hypocrisy. Boy, does he. Now, if hypocrisy is going to be unmasked, I would suggest to you that Jesus is the ideal person to do it because, well, because there's not an ounce of hypocrisy in him. Jesus Christ was the perfect person to go toe-to-toe with hypocrisy because he is, as you well know, the perfect sinless Son of God. No hypocrisy. And in Matthew chapter 6, that's exactly what he does. He unmasks hypocrisy in his Sermon on the Mount. Now, it's believed that Jesus preached this sermon from what is commonly called the Mount of Beatitudes. I've been there. I've stood on this mountain, maybe you have too. I've stood there on this mountain with its spectacular view of the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, and it was that beautiful view that was a perfect backdrop for Christ's congregation that day as they listened to him preach this sermon. As a matter of fact, having been there, I can imagine myself sitting on that slope in that grass listening to Jesus as he spoke these words, beginning in Matthew chapter 6 and Verse 1, Jesus said, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. And then verse 5 of Matthew 6, please. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And then verse 16, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But then, in addition to that, Wait until you hear Jesus' stinging rebuke of hypocrisy in Matthew chapter 23. I have it open here in front of me, and I'll read from Matthew 23. It was Dr. J. Vernon McGee who called these some of the most scathing words ever spoken from the lips of our Lord, and I would have to agree. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 23, just let them have it. Verse 13 Matthew 23, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 14, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 15, same thing. Verse 23, same thing. Uh, Verses 25, 27, and 29, same thing. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. I mean, when Jesus got done addressing these hypocrites in Matthew chapter 23, you could smell the smoke. In just a few verses of Scripture, Jesus Christ referred to hypocrites as blind guides, fools, whitewashed tombs, snakes, and vipers, along with several other choice names. Other than that, he thought they were really nice people. You know, it was in the 1700s that Charles Wesley wrote these words, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and no doubt about it, Jesus was and is gentle, meek and mild, but not when it comes to hypocrisy, not at all. 
Hypocrisy raised his blood pressure. Hypocrisy made the veins pop out on his neck. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus didn't seem to get angry with the Roman soldiers who spit on him. Jesus didn't seem to get angry with the Roman soldiers who beat him and who ultimately crucified him on the cross of Calvary. But guess who made him angry? Guess who really ticked him off? Yep. Pompous, self-righteous, hypocritical religious people. People who pretend. People who act. You know, the truth is, he, the Lord, despises, he loves me, but he despises the act in my life. And he loves you, but he despises the act in your life as well. You see, the truth is, the Lord knows the real Steve Kluth, the guy that's the guest Sunday school teacher here today. And the Lord knows the real you as well. And he knows when it's just an act. A prosecuting attorney was trying a case in a small town, the, the kind of small town where everybody knows everybody. Well, he called his first witness. It was an elderly woman who had lived in that small town her entire life. Now, not only did she know everything about everybody, but she also had a reputation for being the biggest gossip in town. Well, the prosecuting attorney put her on the witness stand, and the attorney began by asking this question, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? She said, well, yes, I know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a little boy. Well, that put a big smile on his face until she added, frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. She said, you lie. You manipulate people. You're not a very good lawyer, and you charge way too much for your services. Yeah, I know you. Well, the attorney was stunned. He had no idea what to say. He then turned to the defense attorney. He said, okay, Ms. Jones, do you know this defense attorney? She said, yes, I know him. I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a child. As a matter of fact, I used to babysit him when he was a kid. She said, he's also been a big disappointment to me. He's lazy. He cheated his way through law school, and he's the most crooked lawyer in this state. Yeah, I know him. Well, at this point, the judge demanded that both attorneys approach the bench. Speaking very softly, the judge said, if either one of you ask her if she knows me, I will throw you in jail for contempt of court. (laughs) Well, I have news for you on this Sunday morning. The Lord knows the real me, and the Lord knows the real you as well. Well, Let me take just a few moments to explain to you what the Scripture specifically says about hypocrites, about people who act. First, they love to be Seen. Seen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, Jesus said, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. They love the spotlight. They they love notoriety. They crave attention. Now, according to 
Matthew chapter 6, they love to be seen when they give, they love to be seen when they pray, and they love to be seen when they fast. First, hypocrites, when they give, they love to be seen. Now, please don't misunderstand. The Lord is all for giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. By all means, give, but do not give to be seen. Don't flaunt it. And then Jesus adds this in verse 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Jesus was saying, giving to the Lord's work is never to be a performance. Giving your tithe, giving your offering, giving to faith promise missions is, not to be, is never to be a spectacle. Scripture is saying, stop sounding your trumpet. Stop blowing your own horn. Well, then Jesus adds this in verse 3. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Verse 4, that thine alms may be in secret. In other words, we are to give, ladies and gentlemen and young people, so discreetly that the left hand isn't even aware of what the right hand is doing. Bottom line, don't be a hypocrite when you give. But then, hypocrites also love to be seen praying. Verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Let me explain to you very briefly, please, what the hypocrites were known for doing. Hypocrites would find the most crowded, the busiest street corner that they could find, and then they would pray the loudest and the longest prayers. Why? To be noticed. Charles Spurgeon said this, let your public prayers be brief. Let your private prayers be as long as you want. Good advice, Mr. Spurgeon. Giving, praying, and then hypocrites love to be seen fasting. Verse 16, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Now, let me explain to you today why hypocrites fast. Hypocrites fast to draw attention to themselves. For a hypocrite, fasting is an ego trip. But the purpose of fasting is, is never to draw attention to ourselves. The purpose of fasting is to draw our attention to the Lord. Now again, please don't misunderstand. By all means, fast. But whatever you do, do not fast to get the attention of people. Do not fast to be seen. Don't do it to be noticed. As a matter of fact, notice what Jesus said to people that fast in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 6. He said, anoint your head, wash your face. In 2023, we would say, go take a shower. Jesus was saying, stop trying to impress people with your fasting. I'll tell you exactly what he was saying. 
to Steve Kluth and to you, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, just be the real deal. Stop the act. Stop pretending. A country preacher, Pastor Schelling, put it like this. Wasn't good grammar, but I think he got his point across. He said, be who you is because if you ain't who you is, you is who you ain't. Hypocrites love to be seen, but then secondly, also they love to put on a big show. Back to Matthew chapter 23 for a few moments, verse 5. But all their works, speaking of the hypocrites, they do for to be seen of men. And then the scripture adds this, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Now let me take just a moment in Sunday school today to tell you about phylacteries. If you've ever been to Israel, there's a pretty decent chance that you've seen a phylactery. A phylactery is a box. Orthodox Jews will have this box attached with a a leather strap to their foreheads or to their forearm, and these boxes contain scripture verses from the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, in Orthodox Judaism, every boy is given a phylactery on his 13th birthday. But here's the issue. These phylacteries, these boxes are small. But the hypocrites had extra, extra big boxes on their foreheads. And very, very big boxes on their forearms. They literally wore their religion on their sleeve. Know what they were doing? They were making broad their phylacteries. They were putting on a show. That's not all. They also, verse 5, enlarged the borders of their garments. They wore extra, extra long tassels on their garments when they were in public so that their tassels would be real noticeable. There was even more. Verses 6 and 7 of Matthew 23, they would sit in the chief seats in the synagogues and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Not only did they show off with what they wore, big phylacteries and extra long tassels, but they also showed off with where they sat, the chief seats in the synagogues. No, these were not back row Baptists. These were front row phonies. They love to be the center of attention. Furthermore, the scripture says that they showed off with the titles that they demanded people call them. They love to be called rabbi. Rabbi meaning supreme one, most knowledgeable one, great one. Can I tell you something about these hypocrites that you've probably already figured out for yourself? These hypocrites were full of themselves. They had... Huge egos, and it was all an act. So as we begin to bring this to a conclusion this morning, let's pause for a moment, ladies and gentlemen and young people, to ask ourselves a very important and I think a very tough question. How much of what you and I do 
is just an act. And while we're at it, I think a very convicting question, at least it is to me, you got to wonder just how many unbelievers, people that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, have been turned off by our act. Our act has provided them neighbors, family members, people we work with, people you go to school with, people that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Our act has provided them with a flimsy, frivolous excuse, not only to ridicule the church, but also to reject the Savior, Jesus Christ. Lee Strobel is an author, an author who at one time was an atheist, but Lee Strobel was not just an atheist. Lee Strobel despised Christianity. Lee Strobel hated Christianity with a passion. Well, thankfully, Lee Strobel got saved. And I found his salvation testimony, Pastor Schelling, not only to be very helpful to me, but also to be rather disturbing and actually really, really convicting. Lee Strobel said, please don't miss this, The biggest reason that he remained unsaved for so many years was what he called cosmetic Christians. He said, cosmetic Christians have a skin-deep spirituality that looks pretty good on the outside, but it doesn't penetrate deep enough to change their behavior. Frankly, Lee Strobel said, I don't think that anything turns people off like the hypocrisy of cosmetic Christians. You know, I I can promise you, Pastor Schelling, that I do not make it a habit of quoting Mahatma Gandhi. I can promise you that. And I wouldn't even think of doing it now if I didn't think it would be a a help to the guy doing the teaching today and all of us who are listening. You're going to want to hear this, or there's a possibility that you you may not want to hear this. Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I just don't like your Christians because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. I'll let that sink in for just a moment. I like your Christ. I just don't like your Christians because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And may I just say this on this Sunday morning? If we're going to reach the next generation for Jesus Christ... If we're going to reach boys and girls and teenagers and young adults, those in their 20s and 30s, we had better do something about our act, and we had better do something real fast, because may I remind you today, kids and teenagers and young adults can smell and act a mile away.
It was Charles Spurgeon who said, of all the things in the world that stink in the nostrils of men, hypocrisy is the worst. True story, and I conclude with this, Pastor. It was the month of August. It was the year 2000. The manager of a classical music venue in Hong Kong received a call asking if he would be interested in scheduling the Moscow Philharmonic Orchestra. Well, of course he was interested because the Moscow Philharmonic Orchestra is one of the most respected orchestras in the entire world. Classical music fans in Hong Kong were absolutely thrilled that this world-renowned orchestra was coming to their city, and 10,000 fans turned out to hear the orchestra. The audience loved their music, and the press gave them rave reviews. But there was just one problem. The orchestra that performed in Hong Kong wasn't the Moscow Philharmonic Orchestra at all. You see, in the August of 2000, the real Moscow Philharmonic Orchestra was actually halfway around the world, performing in France, Spain, and Portugal. These people in Hong Kong, posing as the Moscow Philharmonic Orchestra, were actually con men, fakes, phonies, most likely Russian musicians who did not have what it takes to be in the real Moscow Philharmonic Orchestra. Now, they sounded good, real good, as a matter of fact, good enough to fool thousands of concert goers, but they were imposters. A great preacher from the past by the name of Dr. Stephen Olford explained exactly what imposters must do. He said, acknowledge the hypocrisy in your life, then deal with it swiftly and decisively. And this morning, Father, as we conclude the Sunday school hour, I pray that you would help me, the guy that's been doing the teaching this morning, to do exactly that. Help me to acknowledge areas of my life where it's just an act. Help me to deal with it swiftly and decisively. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help these, my friends, at Northern Kentucky Baptist Church to do the same, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.